0: From the Vaults, audio from Edmonton's past.
1: This recording consists of an interview of Thomas Candler conducted by Danielle Bougeau on November 7th, 1979. This material was originally recorded on a 5-inch open-reel tape and was digitized by an archivist on August 27th, 2020.
0: November 7th, 1979, interview with Mr. Thomas Candler of 10716 72nd Avenue, Edmonton interviewed by Danielle bujo uh, Mr. Candler, perhaps we can start this interview with a little bit of background information. Could you tell us a bit about your early life?
1: Well, I was born in, in a little town called Seaforth, uh, Walton, just north of Seaforth. And we left there in nineteen six to come here, and uh, we settled on the south side here. And.
0: How old were you when you came to Edmonton, Mr. Candler?
1: I was six years old. <clears throat> and uh, we we said we we bought a house a lot on uh, 80th Avenue, 106 blocks. First house in that north side of that in the Willow Bush, and uh, I started at the Queen Ellick School when I was seven years old, and in 19. 19- To the White Star Mine when the White Star Mine first opened. And uh, we were there that winter, and I went to school at uh, Rabbit Hill School. And we came in, we took, my dad took a homestead up at Manville. And uh, we were there, (coughs) my people were there, and I was there till I was 16. Then I went into the Navy. And But before that, I worked for Duggan. I worked for Jack Duggan, west of St. Albert, the winter of 1914. And, uh, in 1916, I worked on Duggan Farm south, which is dug in now.
0: What kind of work did you do
1: there? Uh, oh, farm work. Farm work. Feed cattle. Mm-hmm. Teamwork, mostly teamwork. And uh, there were pretty bitter winters too, I'll tell you, at that time. Hmm. But uh, in 1916, I was working yeah, I was working for them in 60. I was I quit there and I came into town. Yeah. And uh I had a couple of recruiting officers there and they, they wanted me to join the Navy, so I joined the Navy. So then I come back, I got out early, out of the Navy early, and uh, in 18, I worked for the CPR. I run on the nut boats there. The Princess Vic. And I got... I was with them. I got 800 horsepower steam papers. And uh, then I come back. Uh, I come back home again and I got married. And, uh, you don't want all the detail for that. Deal with it. But uh, anyway.
0: What was your wife's name? Her maiden name? Was she an Edmonton girl?
1: Florence Charlton.
0: Florence Charlton? No. Yeah. She was from Edmonton?
1: No. She was from Regina. Oh. Going to want to go back to the coast because I, I I couldn't get I couldn't get work here that would pay me as much as they did at the coast. So um, she didn't she didn't want to go to the coast. She didn't want to leave her people here, so I stayed here and I worked for the Hall Coal for the I worked for the Commercial Cartage and the to, It wasn't a very good-paying job in the summertime, so. I was asked to go to work with the city of Edmonton, so I went to work for them. So I drove Blade for the city of Edmonton for twenty years. And uh, I got too much diesel fumes and I got a low blood count out of it and I had to quit it. So I dug up my old scheme papers and the oil companies had started to Go then.
0: This was about what year?
1: This'd be about nineteen. Well, I was the city altogether. Twenty-eight years, but I was driving team before that, grading roads and doing teamwork. and. Uh, As I said, when I got after I got on the grader, I got a low blood count after 20 years of it, and so I quit and I was, went to work in the oil fields here. The beauty of that was I goes I tripled my pay on account of my steam papers. I would run their boilers. So then I left there. It was all this seasonal work. So Eastman Oil Wells surveys wanted me to come and work for them. So I did. I went to work for them. It was steady time, and I was everything for the them. uh, Everything but all well survey, I was the warehouse man. I handled their trucking and uh, often worked night and day, you know, grab a bit of sleep whenever I had to, you know. So I worked at that for quite a while and there was a chance of a better job to go into a machine shop. So I went into a machine shop with Albert Tool. And I was with with them for 12 years. I was with Eastman 10 years. So uh, from there I retired. I retired and uh, on pension. I still get a turkey every Christmas from them. (laughs) Um,
0: Have you always lived in this house?
1: Um, Oh, I bought this house in 1926.
0: What about as a child? Where did you live as a child in Edmonton? You're with your, your family, when your family arrived in Edmonton?
1: Oh, we lived on 80th Avenue.
0: Is the house still there?
1: No, the, we, my dad built the house there. It was the first house on the north side of 80th Avenue, One hundred and six twenty-six was the number of it. And of course, the numbers weren't the same then, but that was the last number. When my dad, whenever they changed the numbers of those, but that was the number of our home. (coughs) No. Shut up. So, uh…
0: Do you remember any um, other buildings around your home in those days? Do you remember uh, what it looked like? Buildings. Yes.
1: Oh yes, I knew all the buildings that were built in there. Well, anything that amounted to anything, you know. I knew a lot of the people that lived in the Marinoa. that had houses, but there was there was very few buildings as far as uh, you know uh, outside of houses, homes. There was the McKinnons, and there was the McGregors, and. R. J. McDonald, which was a businessman in town on the south side here, he built his house in there after that. And uh, Paul Calder lived next door to us. I don't know if you have anything on Paul Calder or not. He was a flyer. He came out of the first war.
0: life in those days, or um, did you go to church, or what did well, you, what type of, how was life in those days?
1: We we went to the Presbyterian Church, which is a little old church along the tracks down there. First, that was our Sunday school after they built the new church. And I helped, uh, I was only a kid then, but uh, the old guy that put in the pipework in there, he wanted me to help him because he wanted somebody to crawl around in them holes in the church, you know, for the wiring. So I worked for him and I made a few dollars or two. Uh, but then they, when they built that church, One thing I'd like to say about old Jack Duggan—he donated a lot of money. He was a Scotch Catholic, and he donated a lot of money to build that church, which that was something special, I'll tell you. And uh, I always had a great. Liking for Jack Duggan. He was a he was a real he was a real fine man.
0: Do you remember any other men from those days? What's that? Do you remember any other men from those days? Some of your friends?
1: No. Yes, I I remember the uh, Mackenzies. Jack McKenzie, Oh, he was he was in the implement business here. Well first he started with this garage. He was in the he had a garge and at one time when this amalgamation after amalgamation here, they they uh, they figured they could run the Fire engines from from the north side, so they closed down the south side fire hall. And uh, Jack McKenzie rented that and used it for a garage. And then after that, the. Uh, <coughs> The powers that be—I <laughs> get—I guess it was the insurance companies that made them the city. Anyway, the city took it back. What I mean is, the city it, it still owned it, but they had to run it as a fire hall again. And. Uh, then Jack McKenzie had an implement shop on White Avenue down there. He was running that in 1922 when I started to work for the city. And uh, Jack was a fine old man, too. He was a, He was a good guy. He could depend on old Jack. He was a fine man. Uh, He had a son. I forget his first name now.
0: What did his son do? What did his son do?
1: Well, things I mustn't say here. I got to be careful. Uh, he helped his dad. He helped his dad. Of course, he was working in the machine in. The, and then he, for some reason or another, he took off to the, he left here and went to the States. And uh, I don't think he ever came back to live here steady, what? But I know of.
0: What about the coal mines? You know something about the coal mines that existed in Edmonton at the beginning yeah. of the century? Which ones do you remember?
1: Well, when I was a boy, when I was between 1907 and 1909, I, uh, I used to play around down in the, with the kids, you know, on Saturdays and that, we'd go down to the river, went swimming went we were around the Walters Mill a lot. And then later on in years I got to know, them. well I knew them at that time, I knew, I knew the two boys. He had two boys, two sons. And later on in the years when they grew up, they, uh, these two boys, they went out farming here, out at Ellerslie. And uh, I, knew the, I knew old John Walters. He was a little chubby Scotchman. He was, wasn't very big. But he was a fine man, he's well-liked. And his wife was a very nice lady, too. I knew her in, later when I was driving Blade here for the city. He, they always wanted me to go down to the, through that road the, under the high level bridge. I went down there when it got awful rough and leveled it off and then I I had to keep it up because she figured that I had, she wanted me to come down there and she says I'll give you, she says every time you come down here, she says I want you to come in and have a, a bottle of my ginger beer. So. I do that. I'd go in. If I didn't, she would. She wouldn't speak to me. <laughs> but she is a fine old lady. Uh, no, I played all around this town. You know, any time off, us kids would go to the White Mud, the White Mud Creek. Later on, no, that be 197 and 8, between 197 and 199, and uh, there was that gold dredge. It was a gold dredge that worked on this on the river at that time. Used to back in there at the, the mouth of the White Mud. Stay, out, stay in there at night to get out of the flow of the river, you know. And uh, I remember when they started to get supper there, us kids had to got so darn hungry, the smell of that supper cooking, we had to beat it home, <laughs> we were hungry, lots of time we never had any dinner, you know, or running around the white mud there, having a good time.
0: Do you remember the fire at Walter's Mine?
1: Yes. Uh, I didn't see the fire, but my uncle worked at it. Uh, he was the engineer at the time. And I know how it started. It, it A man came up out of the mine, one of the miners, when he had his shift in I guess, I don't know when why or how why he came up or he went home anyway. Came up and he was changing his clothes and he took that there uh, thing that had a piece of metal rod and they wound it around like that and they pointed the end of it and they shoved that in for to hold of the candle and you know. So he stuck this here candle in the wall. It wasn't near it'd be about a few inches from the wall, you know. But I guess he didn't figure on the grease and stuff that was around there, you know, around the mine and everything is greasy, you know, around the boiler house. And he went away and left it burning. In time, it caught up underneath the shelf. The it went. There was the story goes, in them days there was two men that was never dead out of there. And later on in years, after I'd grown up, it'd be twenty, and it'd be about fifteen, sixteen years later, after that fire. When they put, oh, it would be nineteen twelve. They put that underpass underneath the one hundred and ninth Street for the railroad, you know, a tunnel there. And they had a bunch of. There was, the ground seemed to be sinking, there. And. Uh, Nobody seemed to know what what it was or anything. Uh, that is, the city the city didn't didn't tumble to it. But even old Head, of the fellow that was he was uh, the boss of the engineers department at that time. And he come up there to, he, he was a very strong-willed sort of a man, you know. He, that's why I never said anything about it, I could have told him why that was. They never, uh, to this day, I don't think nobody knows what.
0: What do you think it was?
1: Well uh, it came in under the old mine down below. Because that's where it run, right into that bank, under that bank, you see. Mm-hmm. No other thing, no other thing that could be.
0: Which other mines? Do you remember other mines?
1: Yeah, there was the Twin City Mine.
0: Where was that one?
1: Well, you come just before you go down the Scona Hill from the south side. Eh? That avenue that runs down there past then Turner, the old Turner Block, we used to call it. Then big houses. There's two blocks of big houses there, right down in the bank. You're going right down into the lower part of, near the creek. Well, you go down that avenue, and when you come to the creek, you turn to your left. And I would say roughly about two hundred. I can't give you the exact. But if I went down there, I could show you where it was. But uh, it would be maybe. A couple hundred feet, or mm-hmm. maybe a hundred yards, or something like that, from after me, from this avenue, to go down. And I was down that mine a few times, and. Uh,
0: was that like? That was
1: a big mine. That yeah. yeah. had a two double tracks down underneath. It was about 100, 150, deep. I can't give you the right depth of that, but it's That's quite, all right. quite deep. And uh, I remember walking in that mine, two rows of lights along, just like walking down, like looking down Whitehead. Of course it wasn't as big, but uh, you know, with the two tracks, the main that was the main entrance there, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there was a place of taken off from that, you know, different from that main. There were a lot of horses in there, too. The horses pulled the cars out to where they yeah. hoist it. it employ a lot of men as well? Oh yes, I couldn't give you, I couldn't see how many, but there were a lot of miners in there. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know why they shut that down. Do you know when it was shut down? Hmm? Do you know when it was shut down? I can't tell you when it was shut down. It was shut down.
0: Mines? Do you remember? I
1: think maybe it was shut down. 1920. I wouldn't be sure. Maybe 19. could have been 15 when the flood was on it, backed up there, you know.
0: Do you remember the flood? How
1: was Uh, that? I wasn't here, I was a hundred miles north of here, but as I say, this is still my home and I was here a lot, around here quite often after after we left here, you see. Because this was always our home here and our relations were here, the Turnbulls was here. Uh, The reason we come to this country was through Bob Turnbull Bob Turnbull was uh, after he come here. He, that's Turnbull Motors, you know. Mm. And,
0: uh, Why do you say it's it's him that brought you out here?
1: Aren't you? So you're my uncle.
0: Oh, he's your uncle. Hmm? He's your uncle.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, we come here, uh, say, in 1906, and uh, uh, that was the reason we come here.
0: What, we never, what did your What did your father do when you came out here?
1: Uh, he He was a teamster too. He drove team here for the city of not. For I got some snaps in there, I could show you outfit. But
0: uh, maybe we could talk a little about Fort, the old Fort Edmonton now. This is shut off uh the white The white star mine?
1: Yeah. And that was started. They started that in the summer of 19, opened that up in the summer, summer of 198, 198. And uh, my dad was out there working. He was. They wanted him to come out there and all called, and several other teamsters that worked for McKenzie. It was the mine was owned by. Blaine, Crockett and McKenzie and uh, they came out, uh, my dad went out there and of course the rest of the family, they were working here at that time and uh, they, they stayed in the house while we were out there. I had to go out there and go to school. I was eight years old at that time. I had a mile and a half to walk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was the first year of the White Star Mine, the only mine that was on the white mine at that time that I know of. It took an awful lot of coal out of that mine too.
0: Do you have the the location of that mine? Do you know whereabouts it is?
1: Oh, yes. You go up Ellerslie, and you turn on that road running west from Ellerslie, you go down to the old Black Mud, across the Black Mud Bridge there. Later on years, there was mines on the Black Mud there, too. Mm And uh, you go down there about, maybe about two miles from Allersley, right below the Sutherland House. R- the old mine site is still there, you can see it. You can go up there and see it anytime. It's, it's going from white mud, you look right down on it there and you can see where that shale and stuff is all piled up in there. And, you can see it, you can see been an old mine site. Mm-hmm. We lived in the log house there for a while, for that winter, then we came back into town. And then I went to school at the White, at the Queen Ellick for about a year and then I left there and went. when we left to go fire up man-bill there. I remember getting, we had a, we had a hay rack full of stuff we were going to put it on the car. Or on. CN and we got stuck right where the Tegler Building is there now on First Street in the mud. <laughs> and the people all got running off the sidewalk. Men run off the sidewalk and got in behind the hay rack. It was a hay rack load of stuff. We we're going to put it on a car. And they pushed us out. muddy place around here at that time. Yeah. I remember when they put the first lights down White Avenue there when the streetcars started. They called it, the old timers here called it the Great White Way. <laughs> <laughs> it was, seemed to be so bright you know to what, yeah. what they'd been used to. used to be too. It's still there.
0: An old post office on White Mm Avenue?
1: There are two buildings belonging to the government. Two brick buildings on the west. On the north side of White Avenue. Right next to that pancake house on the corner. Mm -hmm. That first little light brick one. That was the post office in my Oh, yeah. I built that post office in 1911, I think. The Scona High School, I was standing right there across the street when they laid the cornerstone for that building. For that building. <laughs> and there's a <laughs> To bust that thing open now, they'd find cans of lard and all kinds of stuff in there. It was put in that cornerstone. Because anything that was manufactured here, like gainer stuff, or, or I suppose there'd be chunks of coal and everything in there, I don't know, but anything that was manufactured around here, they, you know, they, there's a bit of it put in that cornerstone. <laughs>
0: What about the old ford Edmonton? Do you remember when that was torn down?
1: Yep. Uh, I just can't remember the year. But
0: I, oh, that I doesn't I remember, remember
1: it being torn down.
0: What was it well, like before it, it was torn down? It
1: torn had to down. Be down around the time. It was just he planned on billing the Parliament building. Because mm-hmm. that was sitting right, the old right there on that ledge here on Shelbus. Mm-hmm. And I remember they re- they brought the prisoners in to tear it down from the mine from the, they called it the Pen at that time. Yeah. Uh, It was in there not far from where... uh, Hmm. It was on that road that runs up just a little bit north of that uh, street, a little bit north. And they're just around where the uh, fairgrounds is. Mm Because they, the last year, as far as I, my knowledge goes, I was there at the old fairgrounds, it used to be, and we went across, we had to go across on the ferry then, it was about 1907. And we uh, went across on the ferry and we were right in the fairgrounds. There were the power power planties now. You know. yeah. And as far as I know, uh, them other old forts, they were down in the flats there, but they, it wasn't a good place for them. Of course, they were gone by that time. The other, um, the fort up on the hill. There it was. When they tore that down, they brought these guys from the mine, and they for- they made a mistake. They should have never given them axes, because they one of the one of the prisoners got in a mix up with the uh, one of the other prisoners, and he just up with a broad axe and split his head wide open. Now, you can get that through the old journal or the bulletin, uh, the old bulletin or the journal. That ought to be a, it was in the news at that time.
0: Do you remember oh. what the old fort looked like?
1: Oh, yeah. I can remember what it looked like, sure. Well, you see seen lots of pictures of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What about this house, Mr. Candler? Did you buy it?
1: Yeah, I bought it from people by the name of people that owned it. Their name was Jones. They were Welsh people from the, from, come from Wales. And, uh,
0: what year was that, that you bought it?
1: 1926. I wanted, to, I didn't have the money to. didn't have a down payment to pay on it, so uh, I told the people it was, had the handling of the sale uh, of it, and so I, there were neighbors here, Griffith their name was, uh, I told them I didn't have a down payment, but I could pay, I could pay them $20 a month and Leaving the house while I was paying it. And they took me up on it because they were only getting $10 a month for it, you know, to rent it. So I bought it for $500. Um, the other day, I was over, well, about a couple of months ago. for it, so it was a pretty good profit, (laughs) (laughs) the best deal I ever made.
0: Well, Mr. Candler, that was most enjoyable. I'm sure City Archives are very happy to have the information you gave us here this afternoon. Thank you very much. You're welcome.
1: This material is a digitized audio recording from the holdings of the City of Edmonton Archives. For more information regarding the recording, please contact us by email at cms.archives at edmonton.ca, by phone at 780-496-8711, or on our online catalog at cityarchives.edmonton.ca.